0: We've been busy with the sermon series the last while, called "The Mile in the Shoes of." Well, we've walked the mile in the shoes of certain people in Scripture. See what we can learn from their stories, and apply that to life. You know, and as I was thinking about certain characters in the Bible as well, just thinking about the people that are sitting here in front of me tonight, and I just really want to say thanks to each and every one of you that's here. It's really an honor and a privilege to to labor alongside you with the gifts that you have and what God has called you to, to see a group of people really passionate about missions to go and do the will of God, not just to sit back and, and see, but to really be intentional about it, you know, people really encouraging and, you know, banner. you know, people whose small groups bursting out of their seams, not houses too big. We have another couple here, They have two small groups. Um, but, you know, they make a joke. The one is supposed to be on Thursday mornings and the other one on Thursday evenings, but it tends to go to Friday mornings as well. So it seems like they have two morning small groups. Um, but, you know, the half of the of the Afrikaans congregation is literally in these small groups, like 40 people you know, in, in the Delport home. So, yeah, just really encouraged by the people that we have and the people that God has placed among us to do the work that God has called us to um, but the last while we've been speaking about Timothy, and for those of you who missed part 1 and 2, you can go and see that on Facebook, on our uh, podcast platforms, or on our website, you can go and listen to that. But just to quickly recap, you know, when it came to Timothy's, just this young guy that really stands out in Scripture, the first time we see him in Acts 16, where Timothy's mentioned, we read, and behold, there's Timothy something just stands out about you know and we wanted to ask the question in part one but what is it that allowed Timothy to go further fast in life because he comes to a place in life where Paul says to him do not let them despise you for your youth but set them an example they're going to think you're too young you lack a little bit of experience someone that's a bit older that should have gone a bit farther should have been here where you are now but you will be able to set them an example and we want to ask why is that so that we can learn from him and we said it is because Timothy had a teachable spirit. And the same is true for us in every single area of life. If we are teachable and we allow people to speak into our lives and to ask the right questions, that will allow us to go further faster. But for that to be needed, to have that teachability, we need humility and identity. Because what I do not know, what I don't understand correctly, what I do wrong, that doesn't define me. I am a son or daughter of Christ. I am a child of God. And so therefore, I can ask people to say, teach me what I do not know. Correct me when I'm wrong. And show me where I'm doing stuff, not the way that I'm supposed to do that. Then we also looked at part two, and asked, but how can we build stronger for longer? With an eternal mindset, and while teachability is valuable for every area of life, we specifically ask, how about kingdom focus? How do I build stuff that will last for eternity? And for me to build well, I need to be a great builder. And we saw that in Timothy's life, and especially when it comes to the area of faith, when we want to grow as Christians, when we want to follow God, when we want to do His will, we need to be other-orientated. I need to focus on the people around me. 1 Corinthians 3 verse 9, we are God's building. Christ is the foundation, we are the building, we will stand for eternity. So whatever we do with a kingdom mindset, that will last for eternity. And tonight we're going to look at part 3, a word of endurance from death row but before we dive in let me just open for us in prayer yes lord thank you that we can be here father thank you that we can learn from the people in scripture lord and yeah for thank you father that some of the promises lord that you speak over their lives father we can know that that same promise is all true for us lord that you will be there for us lord that you will not leave us nor forsake us that nothing can separate us from your love father but thank you lord that we can also see the character Traits, Father, that these people have, the commitment that they have towards your kingdom, Lord, the charges, the commands that you give them. And that we can take that to heart, Lord. So that we can learn from them, Lord. And see, Father, what you have to say in Scripture, Lord. Thank you that we never have to guess what the God is like that we serve, Lord. But it's laid out in your word. What your will is for our lives, it's laid out in your word. How we should love, Father. How we should build well. How a marriage should look like, how we should raise our kids, Lord. Thank you, Father, that everything is laid up in your word. Thank you, Jesus, that you are the way, the truth, and the life. You are the word of God made flesh, the perfect example. And thank you, Holy Spirit, that you bring to remembrance, to revelation, the words of Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. So part three, a word of endurance from death row. Now the question that we want to ask ourselves is, okay, but when we go further faster... When we learn from the people around us and we really start building well and we start building eternity, how do we make sure that we actually end up there? Won't, won't it be quite bad and sad if we started well, if we actually build eternal stuff, we led people to Christ, we made disciples, but at the end, we are not there ourselves. You know, and I know for some of us sitting here, there's a Christian teaching A lot of great theologians, people that really know their way around the word of God, have and hold, and it's called Calvinism. Maybe better put Arminianism, the the counterpart of it, but it's Augustinianism and Pelagianism or semi-Pelagianism. Who has no idea what I just said? Okay, great. Thanks for the honesty. But the two schools of thought is... Mainly different in the first one and how salvation works. Calvinism says that we cannot choose God. God chooses us. He has an elect group of people. And he chooses to save them and they will be saved. And for the rest, sorry. That is the sovereignty of God. And we see a lot of places of Scripture speaking about God's elect. But he chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world. or Those whose names were written in the Lamb's book of life before the foundations of the world. And those same people say, but if God chooses certain people and he saves them, then they cannot lose their salvation. That is Calvinism. There's a lot more to the doctrine I just summed up a couple of points now. Then there's Arminianism that says, no, God gives us grace and then allows us to choose whether we want to follow him or not. And whenever we hear these two doctrines in the beginning, everyone's like, no, Arminianism makes a little bit more sense. Because out of our experience, that is what we tend to think. I came to Christ, I heard the words, and I accepted Jesus. I made the choice. But nonetheless, we're not going to debate about that tonight. (laughs) But with Arminianism, they also then say that we can lose our salvation. And it's interesting for us to note and to engage around these topics and to see what Scripture actually has to say. Because like I said, a lot of good theologians, well known, actually all to the view that we cannot lose our salvation. Many of them in a a bit of a pickle these days when it comes to the story about Ravi Zacharias. I don't know if you've seen what has happened. The question, where is Ravi now? Now it gets a bit difficult. Because he was definitely saved. But the last part of his life didn't look quite that well. But scripture gives us certain things like, you know, the God who began a great work in you, he will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It gives us verses like, but nobody is able to snatch them from my hand. Jesus speaking, all that the Father gives to me, nobody is able to snatch them from my hand. It doesn't say we can't walk out of His hand. But it does say that when He holds us and we are committed to Him, that no one will be able to move us from His hands. But we read last week, Philippians 3, as we considered how Paul speaks about Timothy. And then he goes on into saying verse 17 follow our example, because many of whom I have often told you, even tell you now with tears in my eyes, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. People began well, but they didn't finish well. He writes to Timothy 1, Timothy 1, verse 18, By the prophecies made about you, wage the good warfare, holding faith and a good conscience. By neglecting this, some have made shipwreck of their faith. We read in Hebrews 6 from verse 4. But for those who have been enlightened, that have shared the gift of God and the Holy Spirit, tasted the goodness of the Word of God and the power of the age to come, and have then fallen away, it would be impossible to restore them again to repentance because it would be like crucifying the Son of God twice. So we see both things in Scripture. No one is able to remove us from his hand. But there were some, and even named names, who have made shipwreck of their faith. We cannot deny that fact. And the question we want to ask ourselves is, but how do we then endure? And to give a bit of context, the word of endurance from death row. Paul is writing, and he's literally on death row. He's waiting to be executed for the sake of the gospel. And he's writing a letter to Timothy, to Timothy. And the whole letter is written To Timothy, to encourage him to endure, to fulfill your ministry, to press on, to keep on, to do it. And there's a lot of encouragement and a lot of charges that Paul gives to Timothy. But we're going to focus on just eight verses. And the charge that Paul gives to Timothy there, in my opinion, I feel that the rest of the charges comes together in that charge that Paul gives to Timothy. There's a lot of stuff that he says to him. Chapter 1, verse 6, he says, Fan into flame the gift of God that is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God did not give us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. And he writes to him in chapter 2, verse 2, and he says, What you've learned from me, entrust to faithful men and women who will be able to teach others also. That same chapter, verse 8, he says, Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, as preached in my gospel. And chapter 3, he says, The scripture is profitable for all things so that the man of God may be completely equipped for every good work. Allow the scriptures to have effect in your life. And all of those appeals that Paul gives to Timothy comes together in this last chapter that he writes to Timothy. In the single charge that he gives him, all of those things come into play. We cannot do that without fanning into flame the gift of God. We cannot do that without remembering Christ. Raised from the dead to continuously keep him before us. We cannot do that if we want to equip the saints so that they can teach others also. And that is the reason why we let the word of God have effect in our lives. And you'll see what that is in just a moment. So we're going to read 2 Timothy 4 from verse 1 to 8. And I've underlined a couple of words as we go through the passage just to show us. I'll do this every now and again. To show us what are the words that we should focus on when reading a passage of scripture to make sense of it. To see how it fits together. What points to what what goes together. So that we can see what we can learn from it. So let's read together either on the screen or in your Bibles. 2 Timothy 4 from verse 1 to 3. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus. Who is to judge the living and the dead. And by his appearing and his kingdom preach the word. Be ready. In season and out of season. See that word and. It links two, two things together. It goes parallel with one another. These two things cannot be separated. Be ready in season and out of season. And then one of the sayings when it comes to God's words goes out of the window. There's a time and place for everything. Not when it comes to God's word. The time and place is everywhere at all times. To preach in and out of season. Reprove, rebuke and exhort. Those three things go together with complete patience and teaching. See, many times we are patient with people, but we don't teach them anything. Many times we want to teach them, but we're not patient with them. Both go together. For this is the reason why I give you this charge, because of the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. But, contrast, having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from the truth, from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. Those, thing, those things always go together. I don't know if you've noticed. When people accumulate teachers to suit their passions, they go away from the truth and they go into myths. Always together. So be aware when you are wandering off into myths. As for you, maybe better tr- translated, be. but as for you, as gives a comparison, and but is a contrast, but in this case, Timothy is both, both a comparison and a contrast to the false teachers and to the people that are wandering away. But as for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. For, for this reason, I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith, henceforth, for this reason. There is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. So I just encourage us, whenever we read through Scripture those words, just take note of them so that we can see how the passage fits together, and we'll, we'll see that as we go through this as well. But I hope you know that those words on that screen over there, especially that, that verse 7, I fought the good fight, I finished the race, I've kept the faith. That that is something that all of us would like to say when we come to the end of our lives. I hope that no one says, here, you know, don't want to say that. I've got defeated in the fight. I didn't finish the race, I don't know where the faith is anymore. I'm sure nobody wants to say that. My hope is that that is what we would want to say. But even when looking at that words, we get a bit of a glimpse of what it will take and what it will be like. He's not saying, I enjoyed the stroll next to the beach. He didn't say, I pushed through that vacation. I finished the movie. I watched the whole series. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, I fought the fight, equating it to a boxing match. I fought the fight. And there's one joke that I just love. But a guy saying MMA fitness or boxing fitness doesn't seem that hard. It's just like jogging. He says, yes, but it's like jogging while someone punches you in the face the whole time. That is sometimes what the Christian life feels like. Isn't that true? Jogging while someone punches you in the face the whole time. But I fought the fight. I finished the race, not a sprint, but a marathon. Easy to start, difficult to finish, to have that endurance to continue. And the whole book of Timothy is written specifically for this endurance. And while this is a beautiful picture, you know, and Paul writing, and he says, The reason why I push through, the reason why I'm sitting here knowing that I'm going to be executed for the sake of the gospel, and that's fine with me, is because I know what awaits me. Because of this reason, I know that Jesus will appear and he will give me a crown of glory and I will be with him for eternity and not only for me but for all who love disappearing the first time and when he will come back i know why i'm doing what i'm doing we spoke about it last time a kingdom mindset the moment we shift our focus danger comes because just as exciting as these verses are seem and how beautiful they are and how encouraging they are Two verses later, it's not on the board, and we're going to look at that more next week. Paul writes about diamas, And he says, But diamas, in love with this present world, has deserted me. Like the New Living Translation would say, with the things of this world. And we say an example of Paul enduring because he knows what he has his focus set upon, knowing what he's looking forward to. And then we have a picture of someone Going astray because they fell in love with the things of this world. And in the book of Philemon, when it's written about Diamas, says, Luke, Mark, and Deimos, co-workers. That's just writing to you. That's just sending greetings. Demas, a co-worker with the apostles. Philemon as well, writing to them, Luke, the physician, and Diamas, our brother, greets you. And all of a sudden, Demas is a deserter because he fell in love with the things of this present age. But we'll talk a little bit more about that next week. That is why Paul says to Timothy in chapter 2 verse 8, Remember Jesus raised from the dead as preached in my gospel. But the question is, how do we keep Jesus in front of us continuously? And as we read through this passage, we saw that there were two main reasons that Paul's writing to Timothy to endear. He's giving him a charge for two reasons. Because people wonder why, because I finished the fight, and this is the reason why. So we see there's one positive reason, one good example, and then one negative reason and one warning that Paul gives. So just to set the tone from the beginning, we're gonna look at the negative one tonight, but next week we're gonna do the positive one. We look at Passover and why Jesus came and how we can look forward to what He has in store for us when He comes back. So if You need some positivity next week, I promise. It'll be a good one. But tonight we're going to look at that negative reason and that warning that Paul gives to us. and very important that we understand this. But the main goal of why Paul is writing to Timothy is found here in verse 5. It says in 2 Timothy 4 verse 5, it says, As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Was the New Living Translation say, fully carry out the ministry that God has given you. And he's not saying that there's something lacking, that there's this part of evangelism that you're not doing. And when you're going to do that this weekend, then your ministry is fulfilled. He's saying, no, this is not. I'm not speaking about in a week's time. This is years. When you come to the end of your life, I hope that you can say like I just said to you, I've endured. Fulfill your ministry, push through to the end. That is why I'm writing to you. If you do these things that I'm going to command you now, you will fulfill your ministry. And there's a lot of things that Paul says to Timothy, three of them which is found here. But we're going to look at the main one in just a moment. And the first is always be sober-minded. He's not saying, Timothy, I know you like a lot of wine. Leave that now. But he's saying just like... Alcohol influences us if we drink too much. Just in every area of life, with everything that's going on around you, don't allow stuff to influence you. Don't allow the fear of this present time. Don't allow the persecution of the Romans. They are busy killing the Christians. Don't allow these false teachings. Don't allow stuff to influence you, but be sober-minded. And one thing that me and Robin has, Learned from Dominique Pierre this last couple of weeks is a concept called self communication. And what it simply means is it points to this thing be sober minded. Be aware of the things that influence you easily. And I'm sure that as Paul write that to Timothy and says, be sober minded, Timothy was thinking about the things that influences him easily. And we need to do the same tonight. Be sober minded. What are the things that influences me quickly? And Easily because I need to be aware of that. And the quickest and simplest solution to fixing that is to take everything to God in prayer, especially those things that influence us so easily. Why? Because He is not influenceable, He will always come and give insight and truth into a situation that is under fire. Now, I almost wanted to say, you know, if we would allow God, but that is a, that is a stupid saying. We don't have to allow God to come and do something. He does something. But if we want to accept the insight and the truth that he brings into our life. Because he brings it. But if we want to yield to that. And heed the warning that he gives. So that we can be sober minded in everything we do. Endure suffering. Why does Paul say that to Timothy when it comes to fulfilling your ministry? And especially with these false teachings in mind. And turning away from the truth. Because he's saying to Timothy, remember that scripture says whoever wants to live godly lives will be persecuted. Did you know we have two rights as Christians? The first is to be called children of God. I think it's in John 1 verse 14. And to all who believed in him he gave the right to become children of God. And the second is to suffer for the name of Jesus. That is the two rights we have. We don't have a right to anything else. But to be called sons of God and to suffer for the name of Christ. And he's saying, if you take the charge that I'm going to give you, and we're going to look at that in just a moment, if you take that to heart and you live that out with all of your might, you will experience suffering. You will experience hardship and persecution. But endure that because the way out of it will not be a truthful way. It will be a way that doesn't align itself with the way of the gospel. Because if you're going through financial difficulties, there will be a tendency to do business in an ungodly manner to handle your finances in a way that does not please God don't do that endure that suffering go through it but stick to the truth of what God says in his word if you have conflict with people endure that but don't move away from the truth of the gospel to make life a little bit easier endure remain because if we take up this charge we're going to experience some hard times specifically from the people around us. Do the work of an evangelist. Go proclaim the message of the gospel. That is something that we are all called to do. Fulfill your ministry. And it's sometimes unfortunate that, you know, they call people that work for the church, you know, people that are in the ministry. Because we are all in the ministry. And we looked at that last week, Ephesians 4.12. To equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. We are all in the full-time ministry. And this is for all of us to fulfill the ministry that God has given us. And here's the warning, here's the opposition 2 Timothy 4 from verse 3 to 4. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching but have itching ears. They will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. And Paul is saying that to Timothy for two reasons. Timothy was the pastor of the church at Ephesus, one of the biggest churches in the New Testament. And he's saying that there will be people that do not want to endure sound teaching. They don't want to listen to the truth, but don't move away from preaching the truth of God's word to suit the itching ears of people. Continue your ministry. But secondly, Timothy the reason why you need to fulfill your ministry, the reason why you need to keep this charge that I'm giving you always before you, is because your ears will also start to itch every now and again. Isn't that true? And the true same for us as well. There'll be people that we speak to, that we engage with the truth of the gospel, and they will not want to listen to the truth because it doesn't suit their passions. But the fact is that our ears will also start to itch every now and again. We always also have a tendency to move away from the truth. Don't do that. And the the way we do that, we're going to look at just a moment. But do you see the root of the problem here? And that's why we need to be so careful about this. The root with people turning away from the truth is not a knowledge problem. It's not that they don't have knowledge of the truth. It's not that they don't understand the truth. It's not that it's not coherent or not systematic or not logical. No, that's not the problem. The problem is our passions. Our passions lead us away. Because the truth does not align with what I desire. Because what I desire is flawed because of sin that entered into this world. You know the first series that we did, in mile in the shoes of Adam and Eve. One of the points that we made, I don't know who remembers it, but that we are not primarily thinking things. We are feeling things. We are not primarily thinking things. Otherwise, if we knew the right thing to do, we would simply do that. But every single one of us sitting here and standing, because I see Sumi standing. I'm just kidding. Every single one of us know that there has been times in our lives when we knew what we should have done, but we didn't do that. We knew the right thing that we should have done, but we failed to do that. Why? Because our desire was to do the wrong thing. We will always choose according to our strongest desire. That is wrong with us before we come to Jesus. We are dead to the things of God. We don't understand His glory. We don't understand who He is. And we are dead to the things of God. So we bend. We are inclined. We are predispositioned towards sin. And we will always choose that. Until God comes and makes us alive together with Christ. And we see His glory. And we taste His goodness. And we understand the life to which we are called like Paul did then we bend again to the right side and whenever we still yield to sin and that will happen till the day that Jesus comes back every time we lose a little bit sight of who Jesus is and his glory and him that's coming like Job wrote I made a covenant with my eyes not to look lustfully on a woman because what then would be my inheritance of the most high with an eternal perspective what would that benefit me if I think about eternity But every now and again we forget about eternity and we lose sight of God and we fall into that sin in any case because our desires led us to that place. And that's what we need to be careful of. You know, in these last maybe year or so, there's been a great resurgence on Facebook specifically and on YouTube about people pointing out false teachers. I don't know if you've seen it. And many times, yes, they don't do it in a graceful way as they should and as the Bible instructs us. But nonetheless, something that we see in Scripture. And they're calling out these false teachers that are not preaching the gospel as they should. that making man the focus instead of God. When it comes to the foundation of the gospel, it doesn't have it quite right. And I think many of us, specifically in the charismatic movement, will be a bit surprised when we see the names coming out there of the people that's not preaching the gospel quite as they should. But that's just one side of the coin. They say, you know, these people need to be exposed because they are leading people away from the truth. But no, the people want to be led away from the truth. They accumulate for themselves teachers. And that is the truth for us as well. The problem of someone bringing a false doctrine or a false teaching and we believing it is not them teaching it, it is us wanting to believe it. Because my desires seek that thing. We need to be aware of that. I want to ask us tonight, is there certain teachers or or preachers that you are accumulating, people that you love to listen to, you love to listen to their sermons, read their books, read their write-ups or see that little snippets that they post on Facebook. I'm not saying it's wrong to have people like that. We need to instruct one another. We have to be teachable and we have to see what people have to say so that we can understand the message of the gospel better. But if it's a certain group of people that will say the same thing, pay attention. Because you want to hear that thing. You want to hear what they have to say. And whenever it's out of line of the gospel, be aware of that. Because that will point you to your desires. Come to Jesus. And you will have financial breakthrough. Come to Jesus. And you will be healed. Come to Jesus and your marriage will be better i come to Jesus and you will suffer persecution. Sounds a little bit more like scripture. And God wants to do good things for us. Don't get me wrong. But when it points to that desire, then why, why wouldn't I choose Jesus if he gives me all of these great things? But it's the message of the gospel that God is everything we need, like we just sang, sang in that song. You are everything I need. You're all I ever wanted. You're all I really need. Jesus Christ, Christ alone. So just take note of that. Go and see who the people are that you listen to most and see what they have to say because that will point you maybe to towards your desires. And get people that don't agree with what you say and listen to them as well because if we have a misconception, who's going to correct it if we only listen to people that agree with us? Amen? So now here's the, the interesting thing and I never quite thought of it this way before I worked through this passage. What is The solution to this. Not so much maybe to the itching ears, but to ensure that our ears don't start itching. To ensure that we don't drift away from the truth, but to remain in the truth of God. It's quite interesting, but this is what Paul writes. Because these things are happening, because people are having itching ears, do the following, Timothy. Verse 1 and verse 2, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead. And Paul said a lot of things about Jesus to a lot of different people, but yeah, he chose to say that. Yeah, he chose to say the one that is to judge the living and the dead. Because when it comes to preaching and handling God's word, he takes it very seriously because there's one name given under heaven by which men must be saved. That is Jesus. There's one gospel. That is the glory of Christ. And God takes it seriously. Is to judge the living and the dead, and by His appearing and His kingdom, preach the word. That is the charge. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with complete patience and teaching. Now isn't that a bit interesting for you? Now Paul is saying that there's a time coming when people won't listen to the truth, so preach the truth. Now that is like saying, hey guys, people are not going to ride bicycles anymore. They're going to start to joke so sell bicycles. You with me? Sounds a bit strange at, at first. But again, Paul firstly, doing that expectation management to Timothy. Hey Timothy, you're going to preach the word of God and you're going to be faithful. And there's people going to walk into that door and they're going to walk out and they're never going to come back. That's okay. That's okay. I'm not saying don't encourage them. I'm not saying don't exhort them. I'm not saying don't phone them again. I'm simply saying that that's okay. People will wander away from the truth not something that they want to hear everybody that's sitting here that's in a small group that has family members that you're speaking the word of god to in the gospel maybe some night that small group you have a difficult conversation and you're speaking the truth of god's word and they go and they don't come back the next week that's okay not saying don't encourage them not saying don't phone them simply saying that that's okay people will wander away from the truth Don't let that affect the way you handle God's word. You be faithful. You stay in the truth. You preach the gospel. With all patience and teaching. You remain in the truth. And then secondly, what he's saying to Timothy, it is by constantly proclaiming the truth of the gospel that we remain in the truth of the gospel. That is how we keep Christ in front of us. That is how we remember Jesus risen from the dead as preached in Paul's gospel. By proclaiming that same gospel day after day after day. Because as I exhort, rebuke and reprove, I also exhort, rebuke and reprove myself. As I go to someone and I want to encourage them and say, hey Gerard, don't lose hope. God will never forget you. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He will be with you. And I'm reminded of that also. But when I go to someone and I say hey this area of your life is out of line with the message of the gospel repent and turn back I'm reminded of that as well so every time I preach the gospel I am again reminded of Jesus always remember Jesus Christ risen from the dead how do I keep Christ in front of me by continuously preaching the gospel then you might say that Maybe my ministry, because you know, I'm called to teach the word of God, but your ministry looks a little bit different. You know, I must admit it, whenever people say these things, I get irritated a lot. A couple of years back we were on mission up in Malawi, and one of the guys with us said, you know, No Brown, I know that you need to spend time in the Word because your ministry and your gift is teaching, but mine is an evangelist. What does an evangelist do? He proclaims the word of God. What do you proclaim then? If you don't read the word of God. Now I'm a bit more into pastoral counseling. With what do you counsel? From where do you counsel? The word of God. Now I'm a bit more prophetic. I'm called to give guidance. Guidance from where? Tested with what? The word of God. you are all called to understand and to equip ourselves with the Word of God. That is how you fan into flame the gift of God. That is how you teach faithful men and women who will be able to teach others also, the Word of God. That is why we go to the Scripture so that we can be equipped for every good work, to preach the Gospel in and out of season. Are we ready to do that? Because that is the commission that we have been given. In and out of season, be ready. Look at what Paul writes to Timothy in his first letter. 1 Timothy 4 from verse 6 to 7. And again, this is just after the scripture began there in verse 1 saying that the Spirit expressly says that in the last days people will depart from the truth by devoting themselves to the teaching of demons. These people, they have seared consciences, people, but the teachings of demons. And closer to the middle of the year, we'll speak a bit more about the influences and the effects of of the kingdom of darkness. How does the spiritual world work? Because we need to know that. Peter says to the church, and he says, I want you to be aware that your enemy, the devil, walks around like a prowling lion, seeking someone to devour. We need to be aware. But we'll speak about that more to the middle of the year. And then he says, after all of that, knowing that these things will happen, knowing that people will depart from the faith, devoting themselves to teachings of demons, if you put these things before the brothers, if you continuously teach them the word of God, again, continue to preach the word, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus. Being trained in the words of the faith and of the good doctrine that you have followed, have nothing to do with irrelevant silly myths, rather train yourself for godliness. Train yourself. And I said this morning as well. The same thing when it comes to reading the Bible and really engaging God in prayer. It works the same as going to the gym. You know, that training that it speaks of. Everybody wants to go to the gym on Monday, except if it is Monday. Yes? You with me? On Monday begin ons. Till Monday comes. Tomorrow morning when I wake up. Make me a second bit. I'm going to read my word. Oh, it's going to be lovely till tomorrow morning comes. And I wondered many times, why is that? I think many times God just simply removes the feeling to say that our faith is not based upon feelings. Press through because you know and understand the worth of Christ and what you've been called to knowing that on that day when He comes back, we will receive the crown of righteousness from the righteous judge, that is Jesus. And we have to note and we have to be aware of this, that whenever we wake up, before we go to sleep, whenever it is that you engage with God in His Word and in prayer, and you don't have a desire to do that, you have to realize at that moment the condition of your heart. I don't feel like reading the words Of the God who created everything. I don't feel like speaking. To the God who formed me. And it happens to all of us. And at that moment. May we realize how in need of the grace of God we are. To say Lord. Create in me a clean heart. Lord. Restore a renewed spirit. And a steadfast spirit within me. But here I am to drink myself in the words of the faith and the good doctrine of which i follow, followed. Not only for myself so that I can go and proclaim it to those out there as well. That takes us to point number three tonight. I'm miles in the shoes of Timothy. Through proclaiming the truth of the gospel we remain in the truth of the gospel. That is how we keep Christ in front of us. That is how we remember Jesus risen from the dead. By constantly proclaiming the truth of God to the world out there. You know, many times when we engage a certain thing, the approach that we have towards it or the reason why we learn something or read something or engage with something in the first place says a lot about how we remember that thing. You know, many times in our faith we have a test approach to the word of God. I want to hear something because I want to pass the test. Okay, God, I've heard it now. I agree with it. Test passed. And then we forget it again after the test is written. But you can ask any good teacher, whatever subject subject they're teaching on, to give a lesson on anything and they'll start to teach. Because the reason why they engaged that content in the first place was not simply to pass the test but to teach it to others. So they have made that truth their own. We have not been called to retell stories. We've been called to love and proclaim the truth that we know is also our own. It's my God that I serve, that I know, that I worship. My King, my Lord, my Father who is in heaven. The truth of the gospel in my life, through my mouth, to the people out there. And I want to leave us with a statement. I said this morning as well, you know if you don't agree with it, you're welcome to come and speak to me afterwards, but here we go. If we yield to the temptation to stop proclaiming the truth, we will soon after also yield to the temptation to stop listening to the truth. If we yield to the temptation to stop proclaiming the truth, we will soon after also yield to the temptation to stop listening to the truth. And the reason why I say that is because why do we yield to the temptation to not proclaim the truth? When you are confronted with that brother or that friend that says he's a Christian, but his life is out of line with the gospel, why is the tendency there not to speak that truth? When there's someone at work and they haven't heard about the gospel, and you want to proclaim the gospel to them, why is that tendency there not to do it? To not to correct, to reprove, to encourage or to rebuke. Especially when it comes to the hard words. Because we fear what the people might think or say. Because our desire is to please people instead of God. That is the only reason why. In Acts 4 verse 19 and 20 we read a different picture. Paul Uh, John and Peter, caught by the authorities because they proclaim the name of Jesus, beating them, imprisoning them and saying, we will catch you and we will kill you if you continue preaching the name of Jesus. And they say, you must decide whether it's better to obey God or man. But as for us, we cannot keep silent about the things that we have heard and seen. We will not keep silent. Why? Because we obey God. Paul writes, if I was still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of God. That is the desire. So if we yield to the temptation not to proclaim the truth, because our desire is to please people, we will wander away from the truth and start listening to things that please people. Because it's our desire that leads us away from the truth. And if our desire doesn't stay fixed on God and pleasing God, the one who came and died so that I can live for Him, then we will wander away. Let's stand up tonight pray together. Yes, Lord, Father, thank you that we can just come before you tonight, Lord. You know, Father, that it's not one of that great awe-inspiring messages, Lord. But with it, Father, even though, Lord, we we heed the warning, Father, that you say to us through Scripture, Father, we know that it is a loving Father that says that words. And the God that speaks, Lord, you're still speaking to those who are sons and daughters of the Most High God. The same God whose grace is new every morning. And yes, Father, what, whatever the conviction might be that we've felt in our hearts, Lord, whether it be, Father, that yielding to the temptation not to proclaim the truth, Father. Whether it be, Father, not being diligent, Father, seeking your word, engaging with the scriptures, Lord. Whatever it might be, Father, give us the grace. To pursue that, Lord. To not yield to that temptation any longer, Father. To get up, Father. To read the word, Father. To pray to you. To lift up. To equip ourselves for the work of the ministry. To be trained in the good doctrine and the words of the faith. And yes, Lord, thank you, Father. That we can also acknowledge, Father, as, as long as we are still breathing, it's not too late. We can engage with a loving and good God. So that we can go and do your work. And yes, Lord, it's been interesting times, Father, and the stuff has been shaken, Lord, and it's rattling, Father. A lot of people don't know where to go. Might we be the ones, Father, to go and give them the truth of the gospel? To say that there is a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And the God of that kingdom says, once more I will shake the world. This is just the beginning so that that which is unshaken can remain standing. For we are citizens of a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And thank you, Lord, that we might just know that, Father. So when the things around us shake, Father, we might not lose our focus or our perspective, Father, but keep our eyes fixed on you. And not be like Deimos, Father, falling in love with the things of this world, but keeping our first love, Christ, the one who came and died for us, so that we can live. And yes, Lord, I just come and pray, Father, for an outpouring of your grace, Lord, in each and every one of us, Lord. And I just also want to say tonight, if you are standing here and you are feeling condemned, feeling that you are not good enough, that you haven't made it, or you have you know, not done the things that God has expected of you, so therefore you are disqualified, that is not the voice of God. That is the voice of the enemy. And it has no place here. You don't have to listen to that. But the voice of God says, My son, my daughter, oh, how I long to engage with you through my word and through prayer. How oh, I long to show you great and hidden things of which you do not know. How oh, I want to reveal myself to you through the pages of Scripture. The King of kings and the Lord of lords, that is God. So desiring that we should know Him that He left us His word. So that there would be no uncertainty of who this God is that we follow, that we pursue, that we love. And yes, Lord, I just pray for the ability, thank you, Holy Spirit, that you come, Father. And as we engage with your word, Father, you would reveal spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. Lord, Thank you, Lord, that you say that we have received the Spirit of God, that we might freely know the things given us by God. I just pray, Lord, that we might understand and know that, Lord, as we pick up your word and read. Just there where you're standing. if You just want to commit again and say to God, Lord, I want to heed the charge to preach the word. I make that commitment tonight. Just in your own words, lift up your voice to God. Something that you need to decide. It's something that you need to commit to. Whether you come forward, pray with someone, lift up your hand, walk around the building. Tomorrow morning when you get up, you need to open the word. You need to read. You need to pray to God. You need to lift up your voice. When you get to work and there's a person that doesn't know the gospel, you need to preach it to them. When you're confronted with someone whose life is out of line with the gospel, you need to correct it. Just there we're standing, won't you? Lift up your voice to God. Said, Yeah I am, Lord, use me. I heed the charge, Lord. I want to be ready in and out of season to preach your word. Thank you for your word. Jesus, the word made flesh. And yes, Lord, we also just want to say, Father, as Scripture says in 2 Timothy, that there are people here, Father, that need to teach people who will be able to teach others also. There's people here, Lord, that are those people that are not able to teach yet, but will be able to teach others. And whoever we are, Lord, may we have the teachability, Lord, and the humility and the identity to say, Hey, I don't know, won't you teach me so that I can go and teach others as well? Thank you, Lord, for community and the people around us in Jesus' name. Amen.